0: Wrestling fans, members of the Weasel Collective, and denizens of He Nation, the following re-recorded podcast is scheduled for one fall. No holds barred, no time limit. My name is Steve Anderson, a little bit under the weather, and you are listening to, again, the re-recorded part two of Weasel Tales Wrestlemania Weekend. First of all, thank you for the response to the first half. It is very much appreciated. When we last left off, Bobby and I said our good nights. Off I went back to my hotel to catch a few hours sleep, get up, get on a bus this time. The old planes, trains, and automobiles dynamic was still in place. And off I went to Madison Square Garden. Ironically. The only part of Madison Square Garden I was able to see was this private area. It was very much like a sports bar. Everything was free, and there was even a gentleman with a tuxedo-type outfit on giving out free Nathan's hot dogs. So I, I guess you can't beat that. Before I continue on, this was not Bobby's first return to WWE since he left WCW and WCW went out of business. Bobby actually returned to commentate the gimmick battle Royal at WrestleMania X seven. So Bobby had reached out to WWE before then and really heard nothing back, but then they called him and said, would you come up and work one match? You and Gene Okerlund, that one match was the gimmick battle Royal. Of course, Bobby and Gene were magic together. It's like they had never been apart in the book. Bobby mentioned, I went out there. My God, it was like night and day from the nightmare that was WCW. Everybody backstage was talking. Everybody backstage was friendly. I saw the people from production who I knew during my first run with WWF. Working with professionals again, going from WCW to the WWF was like going from the Mud Hens to the Yankees. He also talked about the Iron Sheik not being able to keep his pants up because he couldn't find a belt and told various other stories. And this would be in Bobby the Brain Wrestling's Bad Boy Tells All. And I know you all have a copy of the book, right? Anyway, there I am in Madison Square Garden, considered the mecca of professional wrestling, and and rightfully so. Bobby had things to do, but was I left to fend for myself? Not really. There were a lot of very nice people there. And I would like to point out one person in particular. In addition to Cindy, Bobby's wife, Jan Ross, the wife of Jim Ross. While Bobby and Jim were doing their respective duties on WrestleMania X-7, Jan Ross really took it upon herself to keep me company. I really didn't know a lot of people. I mean, I knew them. I had seen them on TV over the course of my fandom of professional wrestling. But what am I going to do? I can't beg for autographs. That would be a little bit unprofessional and a lot of it awkward. But Jan Ross really took time to get to know me, to ask me questions about my family. And we had these wonderful, very lengthy conversations. She was so sweet and so kind because maybe she could relate. You know, the spouses of professional wrestlers, especially at an event like WrestleMania, they kind of get lost in the shuffle for Jan to really take that time and talk to me, share stories about her life, her marriage with Jim Ross was just a very special moment. And then when I found out a few years ago that she had tragically passed away in a completely avoidable accident was devastating to me. And if Jim Ross should happen to hear this, Jim, your wife was tremendous to me for one night, and I will never forget that. And I remain saddened at your very, very tragic loss. All right, let's get a little bit more upbeat now. I just wanted to cover that very quick because I think it deserved a certain amount of coverage. During WrestleMania, there's not a lot of luminaries around there. After each match, you'd see some more people come in and more people come in. I was able to meet Hillbilly Jim, who, when he found out my association with Bobby Heenan, gave me what I can only describe As a rib-cracking hug, lifting me off the ground. I heard some pops, but I didn't suffer any injury, serious or otherwise. I remember talking about comic books with Hurricane Helms. I remember reintroducing myself to Paul Heyman, even though I had met Paul Heyman and been around Paul Heyman when I was working for ECW magazine. Bobby made his appearance as one of the many Hall of Famers. And again, as I mentioned before, in the first part, Bobby became Bobby. Again, he just lit up all those months and years of treatments and everything like that. So throughout the night, there were all, you know, there were all these people. Ric Flair was there. I got my picture taken with him, held on to that picture. Meant a lot to me. Rick, of course, did the foreword for... The second book, Chair Shots, and Rick had called me, and again, this was the early 2000s where cell phone towers were not as prominent as they are right now, and he was driving through North Carolina, and there were a lot of mountains and things like that, and I think we got disconnected four times, but true to Rick's professionalism, he would call me back and we would continue the stories. And again, some of those stories are absolute gold, and some of those stories can never, ever see the light of day. But that's protocol when it comes traveling with a nature boy. In fact, the night before at the Hall of Fame, Bobby talked about the time that he was paired up with Rick after Rick had left WCW, and they were doing the real world champion storyline. And after a few months, Bobby went to Vince and said, I can't do it. And Vince tried to talk him out of it. And Bobby just said over and over again, I can't do it. I can't do it. And he referred to Rick. And when asked why, Bobby said, you travel with Larry Flint. So to share all of that with Bobby was tremendous. As I've said before, Bobby became Bobby again. So the night was over. We went back to the hotel. Now, some more planes, trains, and automobile stuff is coming up. Bobby and I said our goodbyes. As custom, we hugged each other and Bobby said, I love you, kid. And I said back to him, I love you too, brain. Now, the challenge is getting back to my hotel in Totowa, New Jersey. Again, shout out to you guys who live there. Earlier in the day, I called my publisher and I said, look, there is not a straight line to get from Manhattan to Totowa, New Jersey. Now, this is at the time there there may be something different going on where it's more convenient, but at the time it wasn't. So I asked him if I could just get a town car to take me back to my hotel and after a little prodding, I got what I wanted. so I went to the concierge at the Hilton in Manhattan, where everyone was staying for WrestleMania. I asked the concierge if he would book this for me. I gave him all the information the concierge called and I could only hear one side of the conversation. He said, "Oh, really?" "Oh, well," and he covered up the phone and I thought something was wrong. What's going to what's going to happen now? And he said, "Mr. Anderson, I just want to let you know that all they have are stretch limos, but you'll only be charged a town car fee." And I think he saw the smile on my face. He said, "I assume That will be okay. And I said, fine. So the stretch limo arrives and the guy gets out of the car. He asked if I'm Mr. Anderson. And I said, certainly. And I got in the back of this stretch limo and he's driving me and he said, did you want to make any stops? And I thought, well, you know, I haven't gotten any New York's souvenirs for my kids. Would you mind stopping? He said, I can do that. So he pulls up in front of this store and Of course, people see a stretch limo, and they're like, well, who is that? Who is that? I get out, and I don't think I've ever seen more disappointed faces in my life, but nonetheless, still pretty cool. So I go in, I get all my t-shirts and memorabilia and whatever else I can find, so I can at least bring my kids home something from my trip to New York, get back in the limo, and then proceeded to fall asleep. The next thing I know, And the next thing I knew, I was in front of the Holiday Inn in Totowa, New Jersey. Gee, maybe I can make them a sponsor. I have plugged them a whole lot throughout the course of two podcasts, haven't I? Well, that was the experience of WrestleMania. Again, I wasn't in the crowd. I wasn't part of anything. I was just an observer. And that was really enough for me. Sure, it would have been nice to be in the crowd to watch the matches, but I was able to watch them when I got home. It was, for me, kind of a coming of age, especially with Bobby. Bobby was once again under the bright spotlight. He did other things for WWE, and that to me is reward enough. So that's where this ends, and I want to thank you for your patience. Again, apologies for whatever technical snafus ripped away that second podcast. So I appreciate it, and I hope you've enjoyed another trip down Memory Lane. Now, when it comes to the next podcast, I want to cover something very fun, which is the Bobby Heenan Show. Now, mind you, this was before I knew Bobby, but we did talk about it in the book and had other conversations about it as well. And it was a very short term type of television show, call it a a mini series or a limited series. It's not for everyone. It is of its time. I'll just say that. And it is over the top. But if you're a fan of Bobby Heenan, I think you'll get on board with it. So we'll talk about that. And any other topics that you want me to talk about, please reach out to me on YouTube, on Twitter, and let me know. And we can just go from there. So for now, my name is Steve Anderson. And again, I had the honor, privilege, and pleasure of working with the great Bobby Heenan, on two books. We had a lot of fun, and I think in many ways we became family. And it is an experience I will never forget. I will see you next week for another edition of Weasel Tales.